So let's uh, look at 2 Peter chapter 3. I want to share a message with you today. Last week I completed a series, or a week before last, Seek First. Seek First. I pray and trust you've learned some things as we begin the year, how to put God first. What does that mean? What does that look like? Uh, how am I putting a foundation in my life? Today I want to share a message called Divine Delays. Divine Delays delays. Now, most of the time when we hear the word delay, there's nothing good about it, is there? We don't like delays. We like everything quick. It's kind of like tomorrow. If you're driving to work and and you know you should have left a little earlier, it's Monday morning. You know what it's like around here. And, and, And you're headed to work and all of a sudden you get that bad news. Somebody had a wreck. Traffic is what? Delayed. And you're like, oh. Or when we pray, how many are like me? Come on, let's be honest. How many like your prayers answered really quick? Very quickly. I like mine answered very quickly. Sometimes there's a delay. So what happens, guys? Could God ever be in a delay? A divine delay. What does that mean? Well, let me give you two things to think about as I teach you today. Okay, number one, I want you to understand this message, this teaching today, with, with this concept. I want you to understand God's timing. What's God's timing? What is God's timing like, all right? First thing I want you to think about as we're studying today. The second thing is this this principle today, all right? What do we do during the delay? What's happening while God's delaying? Listen to me. We need to be doing what we can see while God is doing what only he can see, okay? Did you get that? When I'm working through a delay, what's going on? I'm going to do what I can see knowing that God is doing what I cannot see, what only he can see. So that's what we're going to learn, we're going to work with today. So let's go to 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. 2 Peter 3, 9. This is a life principle that every one of us need to understand and grow in. 2 Peter 3, 9. Let's look at this verse. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. All right, you see that statement? The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Let's look at that again. What do we, what do we read here? The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. So God looks at things in a different time frame than we do. How many understand that to be true? See, some of say, man, God, you're being slow. He says, well, you're, that's your point of view. And then he ties this to it. He says, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. Do you realize that God's delays are really an extension of his mercy and his patience? That when God's timing is different than ours, it's for our good. How many heard what I just said? When God's timing is different than ours, it's for our good. He's doing something better for us. His patience His mercy is being shown. How many of you are thankful God did not get in a hurry and was patient for you to get saved? Come on. How many of you, God, it took him a while to get you? How many of you ran from God a while? Now let's thank God for patience, huh? See, he's not slow. He's patient. Now look at this in the Amplified Translation. I have this for you here. Watch this. Look at this. I love this. The Lord does not delay as though he were unable to act. Come on, say amen to that. See, God's delay is not because of his weakness. The Lord does not delay as though he were unable to act and is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness. But look at this. I love this. But is extraordinarily patient. Now, Pastor, what is this Amplified Translation? What it's done, it's gone into the original languages of the Bible and given us some synonyms 
so that we see the full measure of what this scripture says. This real meaning of God's patience is that it is extraordinary. How many are thankful God's extraordinarily patient? Huh? Okay, so it is, but is extraordinarily patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. So what are we seeing? There's some delays, some things we might say God's being slow when he's right on time. Now let's look at one more verse uh, in, in, this, in this same thought. Psalm 37 and verse 34. Now look, this is in the, uh, today's Passion Translation, the Passion Translation. I've not quoted this from this version yet. This is, I really love this. Now watch this. Think of the verse we just read. Watch this. So don't be impatient for the Lord to act. Keep moving forward steadily in his ways. We're going to illustrate this in a moment. Look at all this. Don't be impatient for the Lord to act. What do we do? What do we do? Come on, help me here. It's right in front of you. What do we do? Keep moving forward steadily in his ways. Okay, that's our part. No, what's God's part? And he will exalt you when? At my time? At the right time. And when he does, you will possess every promise, including your full inheritance. How many like that? How many want every promise? How many think it's worth being patient and not just getting one or two, but get all of them? Okay, see, there's timing. You'll watch with your own eyes and see the wicked lose everything. Man, come on, let's read it again. So don't be impatient for the Lord to act. Keep moving forward steadily in his ways, and he will exalt you at the right time. And when he does, you will possess every promise, including your full inheritance. You'll watch with your own eyes and see the wicked lose everything. Wow. Okay, we're going to illustrate these scriptures from the nation of Israel when they left Egypt. Now see if you can relate to this. What was about to happen to them? This should be a picture of your life and mine today. The Bible says this Old Testament, we don't live under the law. So the Old Testament, now that we're New Testament believers, are illustrations and examples for us to learn from. That's what the Bible says. So we're about to learn, uh, see these scriptures that we just read illustrated in the life of the nation of Israel. The setting that we're about to read from Exodus 13 and 14 is when they left Egypt. They'd been there for 430 years. God mightily delivered them. And now they were coming out. Now see if you relate to this. They were going through transition. They were getting given an opportunity. Guys, listen to me. When God gives you an opportunity... The result is determined by how we respond. How many heard what I said? An opportunity doesn't mean it's automatic. It means we have an opportunity. And how we respond to the opportunities God gives us determines what happens next. Does everybody get that? So they were about to be given this amazing opportunity. 430 years of slavery, hopelessly living, trapped in this, in this ritual, in this, this rut of life. And now God frees them. And they're ready. What are they going to learn? It's time for them to grow up and develop. Think about your journey. What is God wanting to do with us? Transition us from one level to the next. How do we do that? We have an opportunity to what? Grow up and develop. What else are they going to learn? They're going to learn how to trust God as they move from Egypt to the promised land. They're going to learn how to obey God. See, they had been obeying man. They had been slaves. They had slave masters. Now they're learning a new way to live. I'm going to learn to trust God. I'm going to realize my provider is not a man. My provider is God. I'm going to begin to trust what I can't see instead of what I always see. So I'm going to trust. 
I'm going to learn how to obey. I'm going to learn how God leads me instead of a slave master drives me. See a whole big transition, and they're moving. They're going to be learn how to walk by faith. They're, they're being transitioned and transformed to conquerors and men and women that will possess their inheritance. So let me ask you, how many of you are wanting to learn how to trust God more? Anybody? Let me see your hand. You want to obey God? You want to be led by God? How many want to conquer your enemies? How many want to possess your inheritance? Well, we're going to see divine delays are part of that. So let's go to Exodus 13. Turn there with me. Exodus chapter 13. As we turn there, let, let's, let's find verse number 17. Exodus 13 and verse 17. Now here they are marching out of Egypt, marching out of bondage for the first time in 430 years. Now we're at Exodus chapter 13 and verse number 17. Watch this closely. A divine delay, an intentional delay, but it had a purpose. Verse 17, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that way was shorter. Come on, God. Why the delay? Why the, Let me take the shortcut. Let me take the straight path. I've got a place to go. But the Bible says he did not do that intentionally. Why? For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds return to Egypt. Oh, what you mean? But God, I like the shortcut. God, I don't like delays. God, I want what I want when I want it. But what did he say? They weren't ready yet to face battle. They weren't trained yet for that moment. And because of God's mercy for them, everybody listening to me? Are you following this? Why is there a divine delay? Because they would have been defeated had they taken the shorter route. They would have been destroyed. They would have been discouraged. They would have turned around and gone back. They would have jeopardized everything. Their journey would have stopped before it ever was started. Sometimes God gives you a delay for your own good. How many hear what I'm saying? Why? Because they weren't ready to face the enemy. So what do you and I do during the delay? Remember these scriptures? We keep steadily moving forward. We keep trusting God. We rely on what he tells us. We believe that although I don't like the delay, God has a reason for it. And we just keep trusting him. A divine delay for their own good. Now, let's drop down to verse number 20 in this same chapter. <clears throat> Excuse me. After leaving Succoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Can you see this? Man, there's, ne there's never been anything like this in the world. We read that there were, when, when they left Egypt, there were 600,000 adult men. There were probably at least that number of adult women. That's 1.2 million. And then what about all the children? Could easily double that number, just one boy, one girl for every adult. That's 2.4 million people. Can you imagine? Two and a half million people walking out of a country into the middle of the desert. And in front of them is a cloud by day. That's the presence of God. It's the angel of God there. And by night, there's a pillar of fire. Can you imagine what that looked like? Two and a half million people walking in all their herds and flocks. And the presence of God leading them, it was an amazing sight. 
So God's leading. Now, let, let's, let's go to verse 1 in chapter 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, watch this, here's another divine delay. Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi Hiroth between Migdal and the sea. Now, God, why do we need to turn back? We've got some place to go. Why did we take a right turn? Let's go straight, okay? They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal Zephon. Now, watch this. Why did God do that? Look at verse 3. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all of his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. Oh, so you mean, God, the reason we didn't get to go where we wanted to go was because you had a bigger plan you were working on? Do you mean that sometimes I have a little side trip, a detour, because you're working something for my good? It's kind of like uh, driving down the highway, and, 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 uh, uh, and, and you come up to a sign, and it says detour. You're on the, and you're like, oh, man, I want a detour. I'm going to have to get off the interstate, go on some little state two-lane road, and everybody's going to be over it. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. You ever had one of those? Well, isn't that detour a little better than going straight and falling off the bridge that collapsed the night before? Huh? Wouldn't you think that's probably a better option? It took you a little longer, but it saved your life. And so God said, yeah, we're going to take a little right turn here when we could go straight. But listen, listen, because I'm doing something bigger than you know about right now. So, so I've got to do what I can see and trust God's doing what I cannot see. There were divine delays. God said, I'm going to do something magnificent. I'm going to get glory. Everybody with me? Okay, now let's drop down to verse 10 in chapter 14. I'm, I'm editing a lot, just giving you the high points. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. So, so watch this. Here comes this huge army, probably the most well-equipped army on the earth at that time. Chariots and horsemen and shields and swords and spears and archers, and they're bearing down on these people who've never done anything but serve those coming after them. It, it was a terrifying sight. So here's Pharaoh. Pharaoh's going, what did I do by letting these people go? These are my free labor. I, I was, must have lost my mind. Let's go get them and bring them back. Well, God's got a hook in his mouth. God's doing something. So what happens when they see that army? Uh, they were terrified, into verse 10, and cried out to the Lord. Now, at that point, it's okay. Do you know it's okay to be afraid sometimes as a Christian? Come, listen, everybody heard what I said. It, do you know it's okay sometimes for the circumstances to kind of back you up for a minute? Third, it, you, do you know you don't have to fake it to have faith? You ever seen that old statement, fake it till you make it? Listen, you'll never make it if you're faking it. As Christians, we don't have to act spiritual, play a game, impress anybody. There may be some times when you see something so overwhelming, it's terrifying. But what did they do? They cried out to the Lord. That's okay. Do you know what I love about faith? Faith has nothing to do with my feelings. I've made some decisions sometimes when my knees were knocking. I was scared to death. But I chose to do what God told me to do. And that was faith despite my feelings. 
Aren't you thankful? Obedience is greater than emotion. Your choice to obey God trumps everything else that's doing. How many thank God for that? I've had people say, oh, you can't have faith if you have fear. Dear God, I've had faith when I had goosebumps of fear running up and down my back. But I did what God told me to do, and guess what? My obedience trumped my fear. My obedience. See, the, the, the only difference in a coward and a hero is this. They both, both were afraid, but the hero chose not to act on his fear, and the coward did act on his. See, that's the difference. So, so they were afraid, and they said, oh, God, help us. That's all right. But they should have stopped there because I'm going to read what they did next, and it became a pattern for them. I'll talk about that in a minute. Let's look at this. So what did they do? Come on, look at this. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? Man, they're giving up before they ever got started. What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians? It seemed to me like they were crying out to God, send us help to get out from under these Egyptians. I believe. Isn't that what God told Moses, the burning bush? I've heard the voice of my people crying out, groaning for help. Yeah, they got a short memory. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Mm. Let's keep reading. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you'll see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. I thought it quite amazing that this morning, without anyone knowing what my message was, except the Lord, who, which told me to, to you know, share this message, that I got this sent to me from a prophetic person. So, Pastor, you judge this. Now, after what I just read, you judge it too. So, you see if you believe this is a word for Calvary today. The Spirit of the Lord says today is a day of effortlessness. It's a day of rest from the warfare of life. Remember what I just read? It's a day to quit striving to gain ground from the enemy's tactics. Know that when you are in the presence of the living God, there is no battle. For time has to stop and victory becomes yours. Your victory is sustained by, my, by abiding in my glory. It is the place where your enemy will truly become your footstool. I like that. It is a place of regaining what is yours. It's a place where you recover it all. Yes, I said all. Know that there is no lack in my presence. I have given you the key to my place of rest, and that is faith. Just imagine yourself resting in the presence of the holy God. See? And what happens then? And then he says, God will bring deliverance. Watch the chains be loosed. Bring you to a place of freedom. And they'll be activated now. Move into what comes with being a child of the living God, which are my promises. What a confirmation that you and I are right on track today with what we're hearing. So then the Lord said to Moses, I like this. So Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Sometimes we're not really praying. We're just complaining. Come on. Anybody want to be honest for a minute? You know, and it's okay. God's big enough to take the whining, aren't you thankful? And to complain. You know, we're not really praying. We just, oh, God is bad. God, what am I going to do? God, why? Get it out and then pray, okay? That's really not praying. Go ahead. If you got to do it, do it. But then pray, would you, before, you know. Okay. And when he said, Moses, what are you doing? Tell those people to get up. I told you you're going someplace. And, and then look what he says, verse 16. Raise your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water that the Israelites can go through 
the sea on dry ground. He said, come on, let's go. What are you crying about? What are you, don't you think I'm in control in the middle of this divine delay? Don't you think I'm God big enough to do what I'm doing? So what do we learn? So what do we do during the delay? Are you with me? Let me, let me help you with something very quickly. What you do not do is what the Israelites did. What you do not do during the divine delay. Do you understand? I, I, and listen to, listen to the verbiage. I'm using it intentionally. This, this thing they said, was it because there were no graves in Egypt? You brought us to the desert to die. Why have you done this to us? We should have stayed there. We'd rather serve them to die, all that stuff. Listen, if that's the way we respond to a delay, I want to help you. Because we all could by human nature. If that's the way we respond, if this attitude that we see here, this mind, you ever thought about this term mindset? What's a mindset? Tell you another word that is called a stronghold. It's how your mind is set. It's how you think. It's how you react to life. It's how you look at a delay. If that attitude or mindset, listen, if your heart doesn't change, you will always ultimately fail to reach the purposes of God in your life. Always fail reaching the purposes of God. This attitude of murmuring, complaining, doubting, critical spirit they had was so strong that even though armies could not defeat them, nations could not defeat them, God brought water out of a rock. God brought manna from the sky. But this attitude was so entrenched in them, this mindset, that it caused them to never enter the promised land. Think of this. That attitude, that mindset, that condition of heart was so deeply ingrained in them that they never entered the will of God for their life. They never went in the promised land. Their children had to go. I want you guys and me to understand today, guys, that we can be locked in a mindset of negativity and murmuring and griping and complaining during a delay when God's working for our good. We just can't see it. That will forfeit our ability to ever into the better, ever enter into the better things of God. That idea, murmuring, griping, negativity, looking at life. You know, we 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 we. I've thought about this, and, and I may. I think I'm going to do this. I several times when we start the year with prayer and fasting, I've thought about this. God, we maybe we need to do a word fast, not just a food fast. Because you know what Jesus said? He said, it's not what goes in your mouth that gets you in trouble. It's what comes out of your mouth <laughs> that's going to destroy your life. So it's not just I'm going to train my words. It's I'm going to change my heart. Because the Bible says out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth what? Speaks. And so you don't need a lesson on positive mental attitude. I don't need a lesson on how to say the right thing when other people are listening to me. I need an encounter with God that will make my heart right. So what comes out of my mouth is what's out of my heart because God has done a change inside my heart. Anybody with me right now? And if I don't watch my words... I can literally talk myself out of the will of God. If I don't watch my words, I can literally break the spirit of everybody around me. Oh, we can say what we want to say. You can say, well, my grandmother was negative. Well, your grandmother should have got right with God. You can say, everybody in my family talks that way. Well, everybody in your family needs to get right with God. You can say, well, this is how we do it. Well, you need to change how you do it. 
You can say, I've always been this way. That's why Jesus has power to change us. It's not how I've always been. It's not what my family does. It's not how you deal with things. It, what does the Word of God say? Do I want to enter into my promise and inherit all things God got? Or do I want to what, 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 talk myself out of it? What are my children hearing me say? What does my spouse hear me say? How do we react when things get bad? There are going to be delays in life. There are going to be moments I don't like. There are going to be times I have to wait longer than I want to wait. And the proof that I'm a believer is not that my prayer gets answered like that. It's how I act while I'm waiting on that prayer to get answered. That's the proof that I am a one that loves my God. It's what I do on my worst day that determines who I am, not what I do on my best day. It's what I do when I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death that determines do I fear no evil. Nobody fears up on the mountaintop, but down in the dark valley of the shadow of death, who's walking and who's talking? So you see, you don't do it that way. You don't do it that way. The Bible says, Proverbs, the power of life and death is in that tongue. Power of life and death is in my tongue. Because my words are just revealing what's in my heart, see? So what do we do? I'm glad you asked. i got to hurry, but let's look at Ephesians chapter 5. What do we do then during the delay? If it's a divine delay, God must be up to something big. Come on, somebody say amen to that. Do you think God's waiting around? No, God's timing it. Did you hear the word? God's timing it. God's doing what I cannot see. But I must be doing what I can see so that I arrive at the right place at the right time in the right condition. See, if I can't, if I can't face the Philistines because I'm not ready for battle, so I have to take the long way around. Listen, if I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing during the delay, maybe next time when I face the Philistines, I'm ready to fight the Philistines and I don't have to take a detour. I'm ready to go through. Anybody hear what I'm saying? Or maybe even better than that, that you worked out and became such a bad boy and a bad girl in the good sense of the word. You understand what I'm saying? That, that you grew so strong that this time you're not only ready to fight the Philistines, that when you show up, the Philistines leave and say, I don't want to fight them anymore. Okay? Divine delays give me an opportunity to prepare for what God's doing. So let's look at Ephesians 5, 15. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Okay? Now, I don't have time to... Man, I'm, 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 I'm tight here. The religious mindset that many of us grew up with in church, if we look at this first sentence, the first half of the sentence, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise. For too many of us, the concept of being a Christian is a very religious-oriented concept and it's not biblical. It's one-sided. It's only part of it. And what was it? Be careful how you live. It's kind of like this. You better be careful how you act. Better be careful what you do. Better not say that. Better not do that. You better watch out. That, that's all it was. Better what? Better not. Better not. Better not. We say things like this. See, that same attitude says, you shouldn't say that in church. What does that mean? You're the church. If you shouldn't say it here, you shouldn't say it anywhere. See what I'm saying? See that religious mindset? Better not say that. Oh, I get this all the time. I've just had to learn to live with it. You better watch out. Pastor's here now. You better not talk like that in front of the pastor. Listen, can I help you out? I'm not the guy you need to be worried about. 
I'm not the guy that, I'm not keeping a record up there. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not Father, Son, or Holy Spirit. Nobody's coming or going because of me. You better, I'm, not, I'm the least guy for you to worry about. You need to be concerned what God says. You need to be concerned what we're doing in the presence of God. So, so this little thing, oh, better watch out. Don't say that at church. Don't act like that at church. Don't say that from the pastor. Religion, religion, religion. It's religion. It's a mindset that's not of God. So what, what is this saying? Well, I'm glad there was a comma, not a period. Let's read the whole sentence. This is what we do during the delay. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, comma. What is that? Making the most of every opportunity. See, instead of running your life, well, I can't do that, and I can't say that, and I can't go there, and I can't do this, and I can't do that. What I need to be doing is making most of every opportunity in my life. God, while this delay is going on, I'm getting ready. You understand? I'm getting ready. I'm doing what I can do. God, during this time, I'm making it. I'm getting there. I'm doing this thing. You know, I remember uh, I got a bad attitude when I was a, a, a sophomore in high school because I made the varsity football team. I was proud of myself. I thought, this is awesome. But all I realized as a sophomore, I didn't get to start, so I was on the, on the uh, practice squad. If anybody ever played football, you know what that means. That means I just was a live tackling dummy and had good seats for Friday night. It's called the bitch. So I got kind of upset. You know, I'm out here, you know, doing what everybody else is doing, and we're supposed to be doing push-ups, and I'm looking around, and I'm not getting to play. So I'm doing my push-up, and I'm looking around here, and I'm going, you know what? I'm going to quit doing this. Cause I'm... And so when the coach looked away, I just laid on my belly. When the coach looked back, I did my push-up. When he quit looking, I laid down again. You know what I was doing? I was hurting me. I was hurting me. The guy I wanted to be better than to get his position. He was doing push-ups, and I was being a lazy, gripey boy. And you know what happens when you begin to live like that? Here's what happened. Here's what's going on in your life. You better be making the most of every opportunity because I'm having a delay. Because you know what's going to happen? One, one day, somebody, the coach going to look at you. Somebody's going to sprain their ankle. Huh? And the coach going to say, hey, Sawyer, go in. I'm going to go in there like a Tasmanian devil with a football helmet on. Because it's my opportunity. And I'm going to play like, like I never played. But if I'm over there laying in my belly, huh? Not making the most of every opportunity. Are you with me? And I'm going to put that helmet on and run out there. Just because you got a helmet and uniform don't mean you got anything. And so I think here's my moment. But I hadn't been making the most of my opportunities, right? And that guy across from me, he'd been making the most of his opportunity. You with me? So you get down there and they snap the ball. All right. Here's my big moment. I, I, I'm going to rip through that line. I'm going to sack that quarterback. I'm going to be bad. Hey! What happened? Because I hadn't been making the most of my opportunities. He'd been making the most of his opportunities. You got me? Don't look at me funny. You get what I'm saying. It's Super Bowl Sunday. It's a football illustration. I can tell that didn't work. Let me do it another way. And I'm running out of time. Well, you know what? I'm going to tell you. If they'll ever let me, you know, if they'll ever let me at church get on the, if I, if I become a congregational elder, I'm going to start reading my Bible then. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. If I get to be an elder, I'm going to start reading my Bible. That's what I'm going to do. And if I get to be an elder, I'm going to pray. Well, guess what? That day ain't coming, baby. <laughs> I don't mean to be ugly. It ain't going to happen because promotion doesn't come from man. It comes from the Lord. So, 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 <laughs> that was a courtesy clap, but that's all right. So, so, so what happens is, 
See, see, if, if I really love God, I'm making the most opportunity. I'm having a little divine delay, you know. So what am I doing during my divine delay? I'm in this thing. Jesus. I'm reading that word. I'm memorizing that word. I'm pouring it. I'm eating it. I'm living it. I'm praying. I'm walking through my house praying. Somebody said, why are you praying? I'm praying because I love God. Why are you praying? I'm not praying. Oh, uh, you know, well, if they'd let me get up and preach, I'd pray all week. If you're not praying all week, you're never going to get up and preach. See, see if you, listen, if you only want to pray to preach... Let me be as blunt as I can be. The only, see, that's if your time with God. The only person, the only profession that, that uses intimacy to make money is a prostitute. So if the only reason I'm going to pray is so I can preach, I'm a spiritual prostitute. See, but if I pray because I love God and then I'm not for sale and my prayer's not for sale, and my life's not for sale. Anybody with me? Because I'm making the most of my opportunity. I know I kind of got plain on that. But anyway, how many, how many understand the point? I've got to do something with what I'm doing. So let me fast forward, and we're going to bring this to a close. What am I doing? Making most of every opportunity. Loving God. Growing close to God. It doesn't matter who sees me. It's not about who sees me. It's about trusting to God. He's developing me. He's got I'm going to send an Egyptian limousine over here to pick me up. And I'm just gonna, whoo, I'm just gonna glide right over here with that limousine. I bet they've got, uh, you know, a Perrier water in there, you know, and 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 oh, it's just, man, it's gonna be air conditioned. I'm gonna drive with. I bet I'm gonna get a foot massage while I'm in the limousine. It's gonna, God's coming to get me. Well, so, so, but 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 but, God had a plan. So Joseph has God's dream. He's gonna leave. So he's got to get to Egypt. So how's he gonna get to Egypt? Well, his brothers decide they're gonna kill him. Then they change their mind, just throw him in the dry well. And then some Ishmaelites come by and they say, you know what, that boy's not worth killing. Let's just sell him as a slave and make some money off this kid. So, well, I thought I was going to Egypt. Well, you are. But it wasn't the limousine. It's the camel caravan taking you down there. Divine delay. But he's got to get to Egypt. You with me? So he gets to Egypt, but the goal wasn't Egypt. He's somehow got to get in touch with who? Pharaoh. Because that's where his destiny is. So, so he's in Egypt. Don't you know Joseph's thinking, okay, I'm a slave, and this hadn't been very good, you know, but things, things are going to get better. I'm good. So they drag him into a marketplace, and a guy named Potiphar buys him. So he's gone. Oh, I'm a slave. So he goes into Potiphar's house, and, Potiphar, and he, so he's, he's doing But you know what happened? So this doesn't look good, and it's not what Joseph thought, but here, here's what you read about Joseph every step of the way. And the Lord was with him. And, and, and Joseph was so faithful that everybody trusted him, doing what you can, every opportunity, right? And the Bible said God gave him favor. So things are going good, and Joseph thinking, okay, I'm going to get promoted. Something's going to happen. It's good. And then Mrs. Potiphar goes off the rails. You know what I'm saying? She, she messes the whole thing up. She falsely accuses him. She tells hubby. Hubby comes home. She said, that guy tried to get me. He said, throw the bum in jail. So now he's in prison. So there's another divine delay. Come on. I, the, the, I, it, it's the throne, not the prison. But now he's not just in any prison. He's in Pharaoh's prison. See, now these divine delays don't seem to make sense, but we had to get the boy from Canaan to Egypt, from Egypt to the Pharaoh's throne. So God's working. How many with me? So they put him in prison. The Bible says God prospered him in prison. Go, who would thought? And God gave him favor in prison. But how's this going to work out? And then one day Pharaoh gets mad and he throws his cupbearer and his baker in prison. And then they have dreams and Joseph is operating his gift even in prison. He tells them what's going to happen and the cupbearer goes back to the king. And as he's walking out, Joseph says, don't forget your boy. You know? And he says, I won't forget you. This is going to be fine. Well, the Bible says two years later, he forgot about him. 
So here's two years. Come on, this delay. How many understand what I'm saying? This delay is kind of getting weird, on, and, and, and he's going around. But the Bible says God was with him. God was with him. Joseph did what he could where he was of what he had. He did what he could see while God was doing what he couldn't see. Anybody with me? Okay, so finally he's there, and two years later, Pharaoh has a dream. Oh, now we got to the man. Pharaoh has a dream. And, and the cupbearer says, oh, Pharaoh, there was this young Egyptian who gave me the interpretation to my dream in the prison, and I forgot about it. Pharaoh said, well, get the boy and bring him over here. Bingo. From the outhouse to the penthouse in one day. But it was more than one day to get him there. Everybody see the journey? The delay, the delay, the delay, the delay. But along the way, what was old Joseph doing? He wasn't getting mad. He wasn't getting angry. He didn't go for Mrs. Potiphar. He just kept doing what he could where he was, doing what he could see. And God put him in the place. And what happened? When God put him there, at that moment, he stands up to Pharaoh. He interprets his dream. He becomes second in command. He saves the nation of Egypt. He saves the known world. His brothers come to buy grain. They see it's Joseph. They say, my God, he's going to kill us. He says, don't be afraid of me. What you intended for harm, God made good out of it. The saving of millions of lives. See, God is working. Now, here's the thing, and I want to end with this. One of our musicians to come. Listen, listen, listen. So why, God, did the delay happen like this? Why did I have to be able to be faithful during the delay? Why did it seem to take this way instead of this way? Listen to me, because I want to refer back to a verse I read. In Exodus 14, 13, God told them, if you will do what I'm telling you to do and trust me on these delays, these Egyptians that have hounded you for 430 years. Listen, the greatest enemy you've ever known, your slave master. Listen to me, guys. What is the sin you keep trying to get away from? What is the depression that keeps hitting you? What is the intimidation from your childhood? What is the sense of rejection? What is the failure? What is the addiction? What is this thing, this slave master over you that has always bound you? He said, if you will trust me in the delay, this slave master that held you 430 years you will never see it again in your life i'll break that thing destroy that thing kill that thing i'm telling you you not only are going to go to a new place that part of your life is overdone destroyed and never come back on you again so i say to you and me today if god says don't take the shortcut take the long way take the long way if god says i'm going to send you there but you don't like who's driving a bus stay on the bus i'm saying if it takes a little while to get where god wants you to go Trust God along the way. Keep doing what you're supposed to be doing. Remember me. Don't lay on your belly and complain. Do your push-ups. Come on, suck it up and be a woman. Suck it up and be a man. Do what you're supposed to do. It doesn't matter who's looking and who's not looking. It doesn't matter what you think or anybody thinks. I serve a God who's going to get me to the right place. Anybody with me today?